I'm ready with y'all, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. What is good, everybody? It is your boy Francis Carlotta with Connor Byrne and Grant Heckinger on episode one of season two of The Up and Under. That's right, it is officially season two. We thought we'd have uh, a bit of a longer break <laughs> than we actually did, especially considering, well, the quick turnaround that the NBA is going to have after the finals starting and going into next season, but we are officially back for season two, and we are officially in the NBA offseason and one week away from the NBA draft. And today, the three of us will talk about all the top prospects, who's overhyped, who's a diamond in the rough, and all of, all of these things related to the draft during our first round mock draft. But other than the future of the NBA, the draft is awesome for one more thing, trades. And just a couple weeks ago, I got to be the GM of the Clippers for a week, basically in a, in a fake mock draft, with the total freedom to make the team as, as good as I can make it through trades and through the draft as well. But before we talk about all of that, Connor, Grant, it's good to see you all. It's been a minute. How are you all doing today? Great. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I don't have any, any comments other than that. So, yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> Uh, it's good to talk show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like this must be what it feels like to have been on the Wizards when they thought their like their their job was over for the year, and then they were quickly called back because the NBA had a bubble and they got invited, so they had to go back to work <laughs> prematurely. And they thought they had like an eight month off break, and now I feel like I thought I should have had a three month break, and I'm back what three weeks later. So. Yeah, as 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 y'all said in our our group message, the NBA clearly does not care about podcasters and our schedule. That's just not something they care about. So especially utter, this one, utter this... disrespect and disregard for the podcasting community is pretty. It's it's kind of just offensive. So especially for this podcast, you know this this yeah. really up and coming, young, full of potential podcast yeah. that the NBA does not care about. But <laughs> we don't have the but, resources for it, this right now. All right. I know it's ridiculous, but anyway, y'all, it's, it's always good to see you all. It's like I said, it's it's been a while. It's been definitely a few weeks, and it's good to see the both of you. I told y'all about this when this was going on, but SB Nation has a Memphis Grizzlies blog page, right? And they the run, the guy who runs that page, Joe Mullinax. Quick shout out to him for putting on the whole mock draft. He does a thing where he reaches out to basically all the followers of Grizzly Bear Blues the SB Nation Memphis Grizzlies page and says, hey, hit me up by this time. And if you are one of the, I guess, 30 people to hit me up to get the one of the 30 teams in the NBA, you get to be a GM of a random team, go through a mock draft, message other GMs, set up trades. And when I saw that, I had to sign up because it, was, it seemed like a cool opportunity, seemed like tons of fun. And I got the literal last spot right before the the signups closed i got the last spot and lo and behold what does the last spot get you the los angeles clippers the <laughs> the team that has basically no first no trade assets no first round picks until 2027 because of the paul george trade not really many movable contracts other than lou williams 
Patrick Beverly, if people are really interested in him. Landry Shamit, who's a young 3 and D guy. But other than that, it's the role players. Maybe Jermichael Green, if you want to make consider him a trade asset. But Montrezl Harrell, he didn't count as a trade asset because he had a player option that you couldn't just assume he'd accept and then trade him. So he was off limits. Same thing with Marcus Morris. He was off limits. And no team wanted to touch Paul George with a 60-foot pole after that playoff performance. We'll, I will get into Paul George in a little bit, but the process was the process was awesome. It was basically a week long of being a GM, heating up other people, trying to work through trades. I actually got to draft a guy. It was tons of fun. So, yeah, I definitely can't wait to tell y'all more about it. It was tons of fun. Hopefully, y'all get a chance to do that same thing too next year. Yes, yeah, so every NBA fans' dream to just kind of live through that scenario. I've done it so many times on two K. So that's. Just yes. one step closer to the actual <laughs> actual thing. So, if you're yes, an exactly. actual GM, exactly. or if you actually, and I'm not GM. GM's not powerful enough. If you're an owner of an NBA team, would you hire any of your friends to have any role that was even remotely important, or no? Like us, like it could be the other two of us in the podcast, or anyone else. I don't think I would hire a single person that I know to really have something important. I mean, you're assuming. So you're assuming that, like, I like you're a multi-billionaire and you own a team. Okay, so we own we own the team, so yeah, we don't we don't yeah, like we didn't we didn't we didn't earn this job by like our, our merits, like we weren't qualified because like because like yeah, one yeah, of us no. were qualified, then the other the other two were qualified too. No, no, so, no. Yeah. you just you got lucky yeah. and you invested in the next penny stock that turned into a billion dollar company, and then you bought bought a team. Okay, uh, no, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean probably not. I'm I love the both of you Harvard and highly guys. respect. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, sorry, Francis, on, on that on. note, oh no, 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 it's it's totally fine. Yeah, it's it, this having this fake ability. It was definitely a fake ability that I wanted to take advantage of in terms of trying to build a team, trying to make trades, hit up a bunch of people, basically as many teams as I could, figure out what I can do. And I actually speak. I guess speaking of us in this regard, I. I had Grant's kind of words of wisdom, I think, in relation to the Clippers when, when we did a podcast uh, a few weeks ago, saying that they need they do need a center, of course. Everyone knew they needed a center because obviously Nikola Jokic just abused Montrezl Harrell and Ivaka Zubak, and that's, that's a genuine flaw of that team. But Grant, you brought up such a good point when you said they also need a playmaker. They need a guy who can take the ball out of Kawhi and PG's hands and really run that offense and not just be a guy who needs the ball to score and that's the only way he can be effective. So I, th- I actually definitely kept that in mind and the fact that they need more three-point shooting when I was doing this mock trade thing. <laughs> and it was really fun. I got to do a lot of things and I have, I offered, let me count very fast, one, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Damn, dude. So I, I offered basically twenty trades to people, to different teams, and I got offered about three or four, and it was fun. It was a very fun process. You, you, you sent out twenty feelers and you received three or four back. Talk about, talk about my love life. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, I, I sent out those trades, and then separate from the trades I sent out. 
I got offered three or four <laughs> trades because no one, no one wanted anybody from the Clippers. There wasn't any trade. What was your uh, What was your favorite trade that you proposed that you thought was really a good idea and, and got shut down? Okay, so my I have a few. Right, my favorite trade was Lou Williams, Landry Shamet, Atlanta's twenty twenty two second round pick, which actually it's a bit of a a, a fake pick for the Clippers because it's really heavily protected and would basically go back to Atlanta. There's like a 99% chance it goes back. So it's really their pick. And then a Clippers 2023, Clippers 2024 second, okay? All of that for Derrick Rose and Luke Kennard was a trade I actually liked a lot. And I that was actually the first trade I offered to Detroit. And my thinking was Derrick Rose just came off really his best season since 2012. And he's a guy who can score but also can facilitate the ball, can can be beneficial you as a starting point guard next to Kawhi, next to Paul George, who you can also bring him off the bench as well. I just thought he would fit well on that roster. And then you add Luke Kennard, who is, I think, a very underrated player. He averaged 15.8 points a game last season, 4.1 assists, 3.5 boards, and basically shot 40% from three, 59% with a 59% true shooting percentage. He's a really good scorer. Obviously, he's not a great scorer, but he's a very good shooter and a plus offensively. And a guy I thought would slot well next to PG and, and PG and Kawhi. Now. I like this trade a lot. The way the trade process worked for this mock draft is you would obviously have to have the other side agree to the trade, and then you would submit that to the trade panel that was set up by Joe Mullinax and uh, the Joe Mullinax and the and two other people I'm forgetting their names were like the trade panel to approve trades. And if once that was approved by the trade panel, it would be submitted to Twitter for the final vote. So Detroit agreed to the trade. The trade panel approved the trade, then it got submitted to Twitter, and Twitter vetoed the trade. And they were, I it was funny because I got to see people talk about my trade, right? So I saw people clowning my trades like, oh, Luke Kennard's not even that good, and getting their gross, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd, I'd also see some people say, oh, this trade's too good for the Clippers. I'm like, yeah, damn, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I want this for my team. Yeah, I but. I way way more agree with that perspective than like Luke Kennard isn't good enough or like Derrick Rose. I think Derrick Rose has about the same value as Lou Williams, and Luke Kennard is better than Landry Shaman in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think I, I yeah, think, and, I think and, you would have won that trade. I, I can't believe Detroit that whoever was managing Detroit that's mis- mismanagement right there. They need to be fired um, that they accepted because uh, <laughs> I don't know what yeah. they really get out of it. Uh, I I really like the trade for the Clippers. Uh, I I think. What I got from most of my trades that I offered and got submitted to Twitter for the final vote involved Lou Williams. And from what I've gathered, I think Lou Williams is overvalued in the NBA. Now that's not that's not to say he's not a very good player and not a very good scorer. He is. He's a very good scorer. But on the Clippers, I think he's overvalued. You can replace Lou Williams with somebody who fits that roster better and can get the most out of Kawhi and Paul George, their two main guys. Because if you had Lou Will, Kawhi, Paul George, those are three dudes who need the ball to be successful, especially Lou Williams. He needs the ball to be successful. 
Whereas if you add, if you took out Lou Will and replaced him with a really good shooter and a guy who can work off ball and can kind of play off of Paul George and Kawhi, that to me is a better way to maximize all three of those people's talents. So I don't know. I I, I thought a lot of people overvalued you, Lou Will. Another trade that I really liked was Lou Will, Shamit, two Clippers second round picks for Dillon Wright, Seth Curry, and their 2020 second round pick. So trading with Clippers, Clippers with the Mavericks in that regard. So I also really liked that trade. So just for Seth Curry. Because I thought getting Seth Curry was huge. Yeah, I thought getting Seth Curry would be huge for the for that Clippers team. Um, I like that trade a lot too. And uh, most of my trades really did involve Lou Will. I had just a just to discuss, I guess, you know, a couple more. I had another trade that I tried to get Drew Holiday. <laughs> uh, and the the funny thing about this is, so the, the Pelicans GM actually agreed to the trade. Oh, my God. But there was a trade that was pending that involved Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, and I think Karis LeVert. It was a three-team trade that got approved by the panel Damn. and then was sent to vote by Twitter. And the Twitter vote, y'all, the Twitter vote was like teeter-tottering between passing and, and being vetoed basically the whole time. And it looked like at the last second that it was going to be vetoed. So I was talking to the Pelicans GMs like, all right, this is going to be vetoed. I really want Drew Holiday. Let's try and work something out. And he was like, okay, cool. I'm with this trade. If this other one gets vetoed, let's do it. So the trade was Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly. Landry Schmidt, Atlanta's 2022nd second round pick, Clippers' 2023 second round pick, and a 2025 second round pick. So basically three second round picks. For Drew Holiday and and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I actually like a lot. So I thought that was a really good trade for the Clippers. The Pelicans guy said, let's do it. I like the trade. And... At the last second, I shit y'all not, the last moment, the trade passed. The last second. It the the, the balance shifted for the, the, the vote shifted for the, the for the trade involved. to be passed. I know, yeah. Fucking <laughs> Russian <laughs> interference. <laughs> yeah, but that sounds yeah, it was that sounds more tense than the election just was. That sounds like Yeah, seriously. It was on the edge cr- I was so time. mad. Because oh, I literally the election's I, over, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> This is a clear joke to any viewer doesn't know that's a joke. <laughs> yes, it's a... <laughs> Thank God we're doing visual I, medium now as well. So. <laughs> yes, because we can see. They can tell we're joking. I literally submitted that trade to Joe Mullinex, the, the leader of the mock draft. And he was like, oh, that other trade passed. And I was like, are you kidding? And I went to go check the vote, and it passed. And I was so mad because so, it was... Ta- I'm talking this close, y'all, to being vetoed. How do they, when do they, when do they like cut off? Like, how do they decide when the vote's over? If it's like going back and forth? I think like it's that? just, it's, it's either like, it, the poll's either open, it's a Twitter poll, and it's either open for an hour or for three hours. I can't remember. It's something okay. super long. It's either an hour or three hours. Yeah, it's just a time period. Gotcha. So we were talking like up to the last moment of this poll, it was looking good for it to be vetoed. And then all of a sudden, boom, it passes. And I'm just so sad because. Swinging for Drew Holiday would have been great. And getting Nikhil Alexander-Walker, whew. That would have been a hell of a trade. Oh, man. I I just I would have been so happy 
if that trade were to go through. Um, Any part of you, Francis, feel like you're a traitor for for your part in trying to help the Clippers out? A true Grizzlies fan would have sabotaged it from the beginning and just ruined the whole yeah. mock draft. Wow, <laughs> city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely a part of me, yeah, who, who was maybe a bit disappointed. Well, first of all, when I got the Clippers, I was just I was so bummed because it's such a bad team to do this mock draft for. They have no first-round picks, so if you even try and make a home-run trade and then the other team's like, oh, that's not bad, can you throw in a few first-round picks? You can't like, <laughs> yeah. like I. I'm that's sorry. the challenge. That I makes can't. it more, doesn't make it more interesting. Just the challenge. Oh, of, yeah. of building. That's what's fun in two K is like turning like a late second round pick into like two second round picks, and then like, that into like a first round pick, and then that into like a star player. Because two K is just yeah. like glitched like that. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 you probably couldn't do the same thing, but it's still that's the challenge. So who did you end up? It, you said you drafted someone. Who and where did you end up drafting okay. someone? So I, the one trade I actually was able to do, which, look, I tried to go for, I tried to get centers right. I tried to get Jared Allen from the Nets, who I thought would be helpful for the Clippers. I tried to get Steven Adams, but we couldn't get the, the salary cap to work out, even though the OKC general manager did agree to the trade, but we couldn't get the math to work out. Um, tried to go for shooters, like I just told you. Tried to go for playmakers, such as Drew Holiday, but... They all didn't work out, so my last my last resort was just just to trade up in the draft draft, and go from fifty seven, which is what the Clippers have currently, to probably like mid forties, late thirties, something in that range. Like that was my goal, um, and so I I talked to the San Antonio Spurs GM, and I offered him Terrence Mann, Atlanta's twenty twenty two second round pick, our twenty twenty second round pick. Like I said, fifty seventh. For San Antonio's second round pick, which is 41st, and Chemezi Metu, which is who's a, a center, just to make the caps match. Um, and the guy was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take the pick. I'll take the I'll take the trade." And submitted the trade. Thankfully, got approved. So I moved up from 57 to 41st, just ahead of where the Memphis Grizzlies pick in the draft. Now, the guy that I picked is Grant Riller. Pick Grant Riller, the guard from Charleston. He the fact I was so I was surprised that he dropped that far and when I saw that he was available, I was like, yeah, it's I've got to go for him. I the, the team's if I don't get him, Memphis is going to get him or another guy who wants some bench scoring is going to get him. Um so that's what I got. I was a bit surprised he was there, but basically, I mean, the guy He's a walking bucket. Right? He's he's such a really really good scorer. He actually reminds me of Lou Williams. He's he's he reminded me exactly of Lou Williams as a six two six three guy who can create on his own, <laughs> get to the rim, can score. So like, I thought it was funny that I was trying to trade Lou Williams, and then I ended up drafting a guy who's basically like him. But in that sense, the Clippers bench needs scoring so badly. Like, there just isn't that spark who would come off the bench and provide genuine scoring other than Lou Williams, right? Other than him. Other than the guy you've been trying to trade away all night. (laughs) Exactly. Other than him, yeah. I mean, my look, it was more of a talent pick. He was the best available guy, and then he can also add more scoring to that Clippers bench. I like Grant Riller a lot, actually. I like him. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like him a lot, too. Um, So that was the one trade I was able to do, which I was happy with. You know, if I couldn't get... 
any of the other guys that I was trying to go for, I at least got to move up in the draft, which is always good. Anytime you can move up in the draft and and get a guy that you do like a lot, that's a plus. Um, so the the last thing I want to talk to y'all about is Paul George. I said fairly open. I, I openly said to all the GMs in our group message on Twitter that Paul George is available. I wanted to hear if any teams would offer me something for him, had interest in Paul George, and not a, not a sound. Not a sound entered my, my DMs on Twitter. And wow. I was like, okay, no one wants to offer me anything for Paul George. That's fine. I kind of do want to see what I can get for him. Not because I don't like Paul George. I'm just curious if I can get a guy who fits Kawhi Leonard just a bit better than Paul George. And we and I guess the discussion of Paul George fits Kawhi or, or, or not is a, maybe for a different day. But so I, the first trade that I offered was for, for, in relation to Paul George was PG for Clay Thompson. Okay. The guy who ran the, the words, the GM of the words, he sent, he sent me the laughing emoji and said, no, like <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he was just not, he was not about that. Didn't even entertain it. I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> that's fine. You don't want that. Now I understand who Clay Thompson is. And I think there's a lot of recency bias for who Paul George is. We, we talked about him in our last podcast, talking about the Clippers meltdown, me and Grant. But I think there's a lot of recency bias with Paul George that basically everybody in, in the NBA, even fans, NBA teams, are much lower on him than, in my opinion, they should be. We are literally one year away from him finishing third in the MVP. He was putting up, he had the best season of his career, literally finished third in the MVP voting. And yes, he had a down year this season, but you can also chalk that up to him playing next to Kawhi Leonard, a guy who will be taking touches <clears throat> away from Paul George. And so that's why his numbers took a dip. Wasn't he injured and as well? He was injured yes, and he was injured too. A lot of the he was, too, yeah. So like, yeah. 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 He was injured too. And Paul George, yeah, he does have injury problems. Like that that is definitely a thing for him. But I just don't I was a bit bothered by I think it's a it's genuine disrespect that Paul George is getting that I'm not sure that he fully deserves, and we, and Connor, you mentioned this in a in I think the last podcast that Clay Thompson, as great as he is, as we think of him as this like amazing three and D guy, as you said, Connor, in our last podcast, his defensive numbers really are not that good, at least in the in a sense that we think they are, right? So in the 2019 season. Clay, Clay had a. I'm look just running off his advanced defensive stats. He was a minus. He was a minus 0.3 defensive box plus minus. He gave up 112 points per 100 possessions and had a 2.3 defensive win share rate. All right. Paul George in 2020, which was supposed to be a down year for Paul George, he had a 1.1 defensive box plus minus, 2.3 defensive win shares. And gave up 106 points per 100 possessions, six points less than Clay Thompson. And then that's his down year. If you went to his his numbers in 2018, 2019, when he was a legitimate MVP candidate, they're so much better. He was he was a, he was an MVP candidate and a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He was unbelievable. You know, so it's it's just 
I understand that he had a bad series against the Nuggets. <laughs> I get that. But I think there's hella recency bias with how with people's perception of Paul George for people to like to laugh at the proposition of Paul George, who I think is better at his peak than Clay Thompson. So I did I, that. I even tried to do Paul George for Chris Middleton, which I thought was interesting too. They he entertained it a little bit, but ultimately said no. Tried to do Paul George for Demonis Sabonis on the Pacers. Wait, straight they up. They said no to that. Yeah, straight up. He said no. Yeah, he said no. What? Yeah. So who are these people? I don't know. I, just interesting. <laughs> I think there's genuine recency bias on Paul George. So what? What are your thoughts on that? I 100 percent agree that there's recency bias for Paul George. I like I would have said the exact same thing. We're literally a year removed from him being the third best player, and really until his injury, he was very much like in the mix for MVP that year. Like it wasn't just like oh he finished like a distant third. Like he yeah he had injury yeah. shortly even the year before that. Before that there was a good chance of him winning MVP. That's how good he was. Um, Clay Tom- like going to the Clay Thompson thing. Clay Thompson is maybe like one of the hardest players to evaluate in this league because. We know he's really good, but he's really good. Like in his role, we've never seen him be the number one option on a team. Really, never seen him be anything but like the tertiary option on a team. Um, so he's kind of hard to evaluate just when comparing him to these mega stars like Paul George. So I, I, I think Paul George is better. So that guy's ridiculous for laughing at that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, and Demonte Sabonis is a nice, a nice player who was an All Star in the East this year. Good for him. Um, I, I mean, I like Devonta Spettis, but Paul George is like easily top fifteen player in this league. So I, I don't know. I don't. I, what are the what are the qualifi- qualifications of these people that you're you're talking with here? <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's I guess the same qualifications I the same qualifications I have. Are they even verified? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh, and here's a the last the last trade i'll bring up was something i was offered in relation to paul george and i saw this trade and i i i laughed at this trade so it was paul george jermichael and jermichael green that's it for julius randall bobby portis and frank (laughs) inalikina i hope that was like i hope that's an actual knicks fan who's running that who was running that for the knicks come on well speaking of clippers and knicks you hear that uh those are the those are two teams throwing their name in for Russell Westbrook. I don't understand it all for the Clippers, but uh, I wow. Knicks, Knicks just want a, Knicks just want a star, which makes sense like for them. But yeah. uh, it would be. I mean, there's no way you would take that if you if if you were doing your GM Clippers mock drafting, you're no. not trading for Russell, right? Yeah, no chance. And also, there's no way to do the math on that either, unless you signed and traded uh, Harrell or Marcus Morris. Because it's not mathematically yeah. possible. If I couldn't even, if I couldn't get Stephen Adams, I I damn sure cannot get Russell Westbrook. I think so, it, yeah, involves like, um, it, I think it involved three or four guys going over to Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's 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 no chance I did that. I I offered a James Harden trade. If the, if that, <laughs> I did try and do Paul George. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, Paul George, Landry Shamet, Grant Riller. Three second, no, four second round picks. Because again, I have no first round picks. Post draft trades is that what I'm hearing? Post pick, I I drafted Grant Riller, oh, and so after pick, I okay. I drafted him. Yeah, gotcha. So, P P G Shamet, Grant Riller, four second round picks for James Harden. 
and the guy who ran the ran the Rockets was like, "Oh, that's really interesting. Can you throw in a, 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 some first round picks?" And I was like, "You damn well know I can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know I cannot." So that obviously didn't work. But uh, I tried. I went for it. You know who knows? But yeah, I just that's uh, that's my soapbox for PG. I I just think it's a lot of recency bias. Well, that's the whole thing about sports is it? that just makes people, like the point of sports is that it gets people emotional and passionate about things. And when you're emotional and passionate about anything, then you're no longer logical probably about it. And uh, like I mean, recency bias comes into play. I mean, last year at this time, everyone thought Kawhi was the best player on earth. And this time, no one's saying that anymore until LeBron won. And Giannis was the best regular season player. Like, I mean, Kawhi people were probably, Kawhi's probably most people's top three right now. But no one, no one's really saying Kawhi is the top guy anymore. You know, everybody was saying it last year. Right. So. And everyone's talking about Kyle yeah. Anderson these days. I mean, yeah. just, these <laughs> oh names keep popping up. <laughs> Grant, I told you that. Uh, that's, that that's, that's why I keep hearing rumors. I don't know, people whispering in my ear about Kyle Anderson. I'm like, yeah. I guess. I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't know who's spreading this stuff, but like, it sounds sounds right. It's amazing. You, you don't have. You, you haven't really met your basketball crowd in Charlotte, and yet you have people whispering that to you. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really wildly crazy. I told you that uh, the guy who ran the the Grizzlies is the guy who put on the draft stuff, Joe Mullinax. He was like, I know a guy who's who's who can play off ball, can do, can add a lot of defense. And I was like, you're gonna you're gonna say Kyle Anderson. He was like, you know it. I was like, I don't want Kyle Anderson. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I just don't want him. But yeah, it's a, uh, you know, he could be that next transcendent star to take the take the the torch after LeBron retires. Yeah, I mean, straight up Kyle Anderson or Paul George, are you turning that down? I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, that's something I definitely have to think about. (laughs) (laughs) But it was fun, so I'm I'm glad I got to talk to you about it. Alright, so next up, we're going to do our own mock draft, moving on from Frank's mock draft with uh, Grizzly Bear Blues. We're going to do our own up and under mock draft here. Um, so way we're going to decide this, so we're going to do, we're going to, everyone's just going to do, you know, you know, one of us picks, next one picks, next one picks. So everyone gets a pick and then we start over, right? Um, so we're going to decide who starts where. We're not going to do this like a snake draft. It's going to be same order, right? We decided that. It's going to yeah. be... Oh. Okay. Uh, yep, have we decided that? I don't really care either way, actually. Okay. Yeah, so we'll just do it everyone same order. And we're going to do a quick lottery here to decide who goes first and who goes second. Or who, actually, the way we're going to do it is do a random number generator. Whoever um, whoever gets their number drawn twice will be able to pick where they want to pick. So you can pick one, two, or three. Okay. And then we'll do it again. So let's do Francis is number one, Connor's number two, I'm number three. Okay. Oh, yeah, baby. Two. <laughs> Connor's got one, all right. I've got one. Francis got one. Oh, we all tied here, baby. This is where it comes down. Oh, God. Connor, all right. Where do you want to pick? <laughs> uh... Do it. <laughs> I, just do it. It's okay. I'll take, I'll take the first pick so, so Francis is still in the running for the second one. If I get this, I'm taking the second pick for sure. Of course you are. Of course you are. All right, uh, so we're going to start over. Everyone's got to clean. It doesn't really matter either way. So, But uh, we both got zero here. All right, that's Francis for one. Did it go? It went. 
I think. Yeah. So you, I'll, I'll see that went. Yeah. yeah, you win. I'll take the second pick. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> All right. It right, sounds good. Let's so, go. <laughs> on the clock with the Minnesota Timberwolves is Connor Byrne. Ooh. Oh, I should have thought about that. Was I even ready to pick first? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We're, we're also not doing any trades. We're not making this complicated at all. We're just making everyone's staying in their spot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Timberwolves first up. Okay. So, Timberwolves first up. What do the Timberwolves have? Two very talented playmakers and scorers in Carly Towns and D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell, not D'Angelo Russell. What do they not have? <laughs> uh, defense. Anthony Towns and Russell are already a terrible dynamic, uh, defensive duo. And when looking at a lot of the top guys in this year's draft of Anthony Edwards, uh, James Wiseman, Lonzo Ball, those are three guys that you have no, no idea. Mellow Ball. Oh, sorry, LaMelo Ball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Those are three guys you have no idea how long it's going to take, if ever, for them to be good defenders at NBA level. Um, so, and we're saying no trades on this, correct? Yep. I'm really intrigued are, now. Are we allowed to do, are we allowed to make a pick and the idea that you could then trade that pick, that who you picked later or no? This is just straight up who you have for the team for this next year. Um, yeah, if... It, just know that that's never going to come to fruition. That's entirely hypothetical and imaginary. Okay. But yeah, you can do whatever you can do whatever you want with the pick. Um. Well, all this being said, I think you still got to go with a guy who has the most, who's known for charisma and just high ceiling. And I guess I'll go with uh, Anthony Edwards. Out of the fact that Minnesota is not a place that draws free agents, so they have to take some swings and hope that someone just pans out to be a stud. Uh, Anthony Edwards might... We don't even know if Anthony Edwards is a winner, but he has an incredibly high ceiling. So, I'll, you know, Minnesota is the team that has to take that chance, assuming they can't trade one pick for multiple. So, so I'm going Anthony Edwards. That's who, that's who I would have taken there. That's who I think, just all things considered, is probably the best prospect in the draft. Um, I mean, doesn't have... I'd say the top three, I'd say LaMelo definitely has the lowest floor, biggest chance of being a bust. I'd say Wiseman has the highest floor, probably will be an NBA contributor no matter what. It just depends on how high he goes. Anthony Edwards is kind of a little, a little in between those guys. Um, should be an NBA contributor at some level. I mean, even if it's like a more athletic Dion Waiters, but um, has a really high ceiling as well. So yeah, I, would, I think I would probably go Anthony Edwards there too. What's nice for Anthony Edwards and the Timberwolves as well is they already have two guys that are scorers, so he doesn't have to go on a bad team where he has to put up 30 shots a game. Like, he can actually work yeah. on the rest of his yeah. game right now, so hopefully that works out yeah. in his favor. But And hopefully, um, God, who's their coach? What's his name? Um, Saunders, uh, Ryan Saunders. Ho- yeah. Hopefully that he's got a pretty good culture going there because that's, that's kind of a big story of this draft, especially with the top three, is, is you're going to want these guys to be in good situations too yeah. um, for them to really to reach a potential. So. Hopefully Ryan yeah, Saunders yeah. has got a pretty good culture built there. The top two teams, the Timberwolves and the, and the Warriors, obviously one of those teams has genuine title aspirations, and it's the Timberwolves, right? No, I'm just kidding. It's definitely the Warriors have genuine title aspirations. But the Timberwolves, they want to win. They're not trying to keep losing. They're not trying to keep yeah. taking and keep losing. They do there's, want to win. They want to make the playoffs next year. There's not a team in the West who does not want to win right and, next year. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's it's... They're in an interesting position that I think that that culture thing is is a very good point because they're any of these three guys they're not perfect for their team but 
I, I like the Anthony Edwards pick. If you drafted LaMelo there, which I think a lot of people are saying is going to go first as of now is LaMelo, I just struggle with that fit with him and D'Angelo Russell. Like, I, I understand LaMelo is such a good passer, but I'm still struggling with that fit since LaMelo is just not that great of a defender and D'Lo is not that great of a defender. Carl Anthony Towns, not that great of a defender. I don't know. I, I just I struggle with that fit. Can I say something really quick about that? I'm, I'm not really sure about LaMelo's defense, but correct me if I'm wrong, but when Lonzo was getting ready to be drafted to the Lakers and the Lakers still had D'Angelo Russell, um, that was the exact same thing that everyone was saying. Like, how is that backcourt going to survive defensively? Because Lonzo didn't show. Yeah. He was super skinny like LaMelo is now. He's obviously put on a lot of weight. Did not show really that defensive acumen that he has now. He, and he actually blossomed into a really good defender. Um, so, like, LaMelo, I mean, they're not the same player, but um, they obviously have, you know, come from the same gene pool there. So, there's, I, th- I think if there's any similarities, it maybe could be that the fact that they have this size and this ability to actually be better defenders than we think they are. Yeah. Um, especially once once Lonzo put on some weight, if LaMelo could put on some weight like that, then it, he can hold up a lot better than I think we expect. I, I think there's a yeah. similar sentiment, not LaMelo Lonzo, but Anthony Edwards in a similar way to ben simmons of just being like i'm the only guy on this team you know how much do i really like how much am i really going to put a effort on defense here in college when i'm going pro next year right or ben simmons yeah. has turned into a stud so uh, yeah, yeah. That, I, just to yeah. just to say that all these guys yeah all these top guys are people that no matter what happens 10 years down the road people are going to look back and be like oh how did you not see that coming whether it means they busted or they boomed right so, sure we have no idea what we're talking about so yeah yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> anthony edwards is also such... like He's he's young as hell. He reclassified. He just, like just turned nineteen. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. he's he's going to be the age of a college freshman playing at, at, at the NBA. So he's still got a lot of room. Yeah. This this draft is such a crapshoot. I, I and I think anybody who knows the NBA to any degree understands that this draft is such a crapshoot, and it's we it's hard to really determine who's going to be a stud and who's going to be a bust. It's just so hard. Yeah. But. Yeah, so speaking of the other team who has genuine title aspirations, the the Golden State Warriors, the second pick in the NBA draft is James Wiseman, center from Memphis. I don't think that... I just don't think the Warriors should overcomplicate this pick. It's not that difficult to look at that roster, to look at the Warriors roster with Steph, Clay, Draymond. Look at this team since I guess the beginning of their dynasty up until now and really the one thing they've lacked is a genuine rim runner genuine rim defender rim protector and that's what James Wiseman can be and should be for the Golden State Warriors like you look at the Warriors best center during their run was Andrew Bogut and then you go back to that 2016 finals I've brought this up before but everybody remembers Draymond Green getting suspended but people forget Bogut got hurt in Game 5. And so what that meant was the Cavs got to go to the rim damn near at will. And that was a genuine problem for them. You get James Wiseman and he fills that role. And also I think it's a good culture fit and a good situation for James Wiseman. Because he's not going to a team that's like, here, you are now the star. You are now the future of this team. Go do that for us. No, he can go to Golden State and play within himself, play within that system and learn how to grow and get valuable experience on a winning team. Something that a lot of top rookies don't get in their first season. So I, I don't think the Warriors should overcomplicate this. And 
James Wiseman should be the pick. The 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 interesting thing about this the Wiseman pick with it though is you mentioned Andrew Bogut, um, where you know James Wiseman could you know definitely have a greater career than Andrew Bogut did. Um, not knocking Andrew Bogut, but just a testament to what uh, about Fessizili though? Can, can he can yeah, he outplay Fessizili? <laughs> but but Bogut is a better fit for the Warriors than a James Wiseman as James Wiseman is, is, as, is a player now. I mean, just in the sense that Bogut's strengths were, uh, you know, just like being stable rim protector, who's also a great facilitator, pa- passing big man, who always like mm-hmm. make that extra quick pass, um, which are yeah. two things and, that Wiseman is not, not that playmaker yet. yet. Or he's yeah, not really that's rim true. protector. Like he's more a guy who will jump for the block rather than have a contest and get, and then be ready in a good position. So uh, if the Warriors yeah. can just be like, hey, either you're doing this or you're not getting on the court, and he follows along, that's gonna be perfect. But it's a big if. Yeah, I think like there's definitely there's also gonna be a bit of an overcorrection to the Lakers winning this year, um, and and with the big roster that they had. Um, so the question is like, is Wiseman gonna be ready to contribute in that way immediately? Is he gonna be you know good enough to stay on the floor with Anthony Davis and? You know LeBron and I guess Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee too, um, or yeah. is it, so are, are they t- drafting this pick for now or do they want to prepare for the future? I mean Wiseman could be a little bit of both, but um, they could obviously take a swing for the fences. I th- I think the Warriors their best option probably would be in, to end up trading this pick, um, and I think I would bet on them ultimately doing that. I might be wrong, but I would bet on them ultimately doing that. Uh, do y'all think like let's say if the Timberwolves took Lonzo first. Do you think the Warriors would still take Wiseman? Do you think they would take Anthony Edwards? You mean Lamelo? Sorry. Yeah, yeah Lamelo. <laughs> a lot of Lonzo Lamelo confusion. <laughs> D'Angelo is, is who we really want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do you th- if the if the Wolves got Lamelo? Okay. Yeah. So Ed- Edwards and Wiseman are still on the board. Who do the Warriors take? At the very least, the Warriors might take Ant. Edwards just for the sake of using him as trade bait if nothing else Okay. so yeah. maybe that I mean I, I don't know if they would I use him for their team just because they're pretty win now mode and you know, I mean but then even then like you could put Anthony Edwards is projected that he could probably be an off the bench good score lead the bench unit type guy immediately right yeah and I, I yeah exactly and I think I think the Warriors even more than Wiseman like the war like Anthony, no, the Warriors would be a great fit for Anthony Edwards, just where he could learn from Clay and Steph, and just play off the ball with them, not have the ball in his hands all the time, um, just like play in his role, yeah, and and like learn just like motion offense from them and stuff, and how to move off the ball. I think that would be an excellent. Like he might not be the best fit for the Warriors right now. Wiseman would probably be the better fit, but I think the Warriors would be an even better fit for Anthony Edwards than they would for James Wiseman, just for de- from a developmental standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. There isn't a really, and even to that point, there isn't, a, like we said before, there isn't a center on the Warriors who could really teach Wiseman and kind of be that mentor to him and learn those and really help him develop in the skill set that we think that he's missing. But I, yeah. for me, if the Warriors really like James Wiseman, if they think that he's as good as, really, I, I like him a lot. So if he's as good as I, as I think he is, and he can be that guy who can potentially contribute in the playoffs when it really does count, then... I, I think you just I think they go for him, um, but yeah, that's 
it's going to be interesting. Like now, no one really knows what they're going to do. Uh, if they trade, who do they trade for? It'll be interesting. But you know, Wiseman's my pick, and I it is my opinion that I think Wiseman should be the pick. Yeah, and let me just say, like I I think Wiseman's really good too. Um, I think like his archetype is like Mitchell. Like if, if Mitchell Robinson was um, you know a scorer and potentially a stretch big down the road um so like mitchell robinson is a guy who i think is going to be a start in this league for a long time and i think wiseman is just that guy who is just such an easy lob threat runs the floor like a gazelle um block shots with like he'll have to work on his discipline and everything but um he does he's able to block shots right now he's very long very quick off his feet um so he's got that down and he's also got a little skill package so i mean i think wiseman is he's maybe been underrated it a little bit at this point um just because people didn't see him a lot in college and everyone's really down on this draft class but you know he's he's a really solid prospect so um i think that he's not not just someone now for the warriors i think there is a lot of potential down the road too yeah i think he helps now and then i think he helps in the future so yeah that that's that's my thing for the warriors so grant with the third pick in the nba draft who do you think this is the Hornets um, nightmare <laughs> situation right here. Um, God. So, the Hornets probably take Anika Kongu right now. I, I'm i a little lower on Anika Kongu than most people. I think he's a good player. I think he's absolutely like a kind of a plug-and-play, at least in a year or two, if not immediately, kind of player and, and really good defender. Um, I think there's a little too much hype around him because of the love for Bam that there is right now. And the problem with that is that Bam is like a special athlete. It's really hard to tell with these like really good athletes playing against just college yeah. guys if they're like just really good athletes or if they're special like Bam is. And like we didn't know Bam was this special until he got to the league and was able to, you know, really spread yeah. his wings and play against the best athletes in the world. So I don't think Anika Kongu is going to be that type of athlete. He's explosive for sure, and he can move his feet. But like, like the highlight that sticks in my mind with Bam, I'm sure y'all seen it, is him that chase down block where he took like this massive step from the three point line to like catch up with a guard that was running in front of him. I'm, I'm sure y'all saw it at some point. Yeah, um, how how is just... how is your go to highlight for Bam not the block where he like loses feeling? Mine's the block. Hand. Okay, that that too. Yeah. But like that yeah, that was that was incredible, obviously. Block. But before okay. that even. That that was yeah. He's he's just he's crazy, and obviously the offensive side of the ball, he's way ahead of. We didn't know that coming out of college either. Um, he's way ahead of where Anika is. Um, so I don't. I th- I think what I'm saying is I think the hype around Anika is a little bit inflated because of all the love that there is for Bam right now and the similarities that people right. see between them. Um, so I don't think he's as good as he. I think he's a solid player. I think every team would love to have him, but I don't think he like if you're taking him top three, I, I think that's a little high. Um, yeah, and then also like the lack of centers in this draft too. So it's right. like the Hornets sure. need a center, and if you don't draft Onyeka Okongu, you're going down to what Jalen Smith, I think, yeah. from Maryland. I think that's who you're yeah. going down to, and it's like, well, well you're not going to draft Jalen Smith right. third. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's what do you do there? That's why, man, the Hornets are a hard team to draft for. In this, this is yes. this is really a nightmare scenario for them. Like, First of all, it's such a bad. That's a bad team. Let's just put that out there. That is yeah. not a good basketball. But team. they have. They also have like young prospects at like 
Like between Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, and PJ Washington, every other position they have yeah. like a young. And then if you want to include Terry Rozier in there too, or they're a young bad Malik team. Monk, which I don't think anyone way. was. So like it's like I don't know who who are you giving up on at this point already. I'm gonna go. God, Malik this Monk. Is hard. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Obi Toppin. How about that? I'm gonna go with Obi Toppin. Yeah, and uh, like a little bit more like guarantee than the other like the other guys on the roster are, are good, but how good are they? We don't really know. I think Obi is a guaranteed good player. I mean I think his floor is somewhere close to where John Collins is right now. Um I don't know if his ceiling is that much higher. I don't think he has that high of a range. Like a lot of the no, more, I- Amari Stoudemire comparisons are coming out a lot. I don't think he's like that kind of player. He's he's 22 and he's a late bloomer, but he is 22 years old, very old for a you know quote unquote sophomore. Um, <laughs> so, so old. <laughs> yeah, how is he that old? <laughs> yeah, he went to pre- a year prep school and then redshirted. So yeah, it added up. Well, he was uh, a he was a zero star recruit. Yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah, and I, he's really I I like him a lot. Like he's I think he's one of the guys in his draft who has both a good amount of upside and is guaranteed to be a pretty damn good player. So it's hard not to take LaMelo there, but I'm going to resist and take Obi. Okay. Interesting. It's my, just a quick thing on Obi Toppin because I wanted, I did want to talk about him later watching highlights of him defensively. He looks like Jaleel Okafor where he's just in quicksand running and just moving, like shuffling his feet, trying to keep up with guards or, or even defending someone on the block. He just looks stuck. Like yeah. it's just, he's so he's slow. very upright and hunched. And yeah, very it's top very heavy. Odd. Yeah. Very top heavy. It's it's awkward to watch him defend, and I and I hate that because offensively he looks like he looks like a Mario Sotomayor. I think offensively he's so fluid. He's so natural. Everything is just so clean offensively. And then you go on the other end of the floor, and he he looks like uh, a guy playing basketball at the Y defensively it's just very it's bad so um the john collins thing is interesting because offensively that's there but collins ceiling defensively is so much higher because uh, of his quick feet that obi Tobin just doesn't have but uh i, I get the reason to, to pick him there for the hornets and i'm not i have no problem with it all right connor the cleveland cavaliers isn't it the bulls yes yeah, oh bulls. fuck i'm idiot i'm dumb the bulls <laughs> um Either way, I probably would have done the same thing. Maybe not. But, uh, you know, I for the person I have here is actually probably the same person I would have thought of maybe for the Hornets and for the same reason why I want uh, this person for the Bulls, which is LaMelo Ball. And thinking just um, with the Bulls, the Bulls have pieces, right? You know, they, they got Kobe White. They got Levine. Mm-hmm. Um, they, have the, they have the bigs and... Uh, Markinen and um, Wendell Carter. Wendell. Yeah, and Wendell Carter. And uh, where everyone is, I mean, I guess, you know, Levine's a top notch scorer in the NBA, but everyone else is, you know, kind of figuring out what their role is. And uh, all young guys need help. And a really easy way to help out young players, especially on a static offense, is to get someone who pushes the pace and is a creative playmaker like LaMelo Ball is. So I think LaMelo Ball is just a guy that will just reinvigorate and give that team a lot of energy which is something that team has not had for years now. Um, so I think there's, I think it would make a, a more fun team. I think the, 
the players would enjoy playing basketball more, um, having him around, and it would just boost other people's ceilings by having him on the team. Um, so just a good fit for them. So I'm putting I'm putting Lamelo on the Bulls. Yeah, I quick thing about Lamelo too. Like people keep talking about how he's not doing that well in interviews, and that's why some people are seeing him sliding. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever like watched videos of him just like hanging out with his brothers or whatever. He's a really likable kid, like super funny. Yeah, um, like everyone loves yeah. uh, loves being around him. Like the like, there's questions about like his commitment, I guess, to basketball, but like he's never really shown anything other than you know he's like listened to his dad and gone to Lithuania and play basketball. Like like what else does he yeah, have to is, show? Like, I don't what know. else does he need to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, think he needs right. to show commitment to other things in life. <laughs> Right. It's <laughs> so, like everyone loves being around him. He like he brightens up rooms that he's in. Like he is a really funny kid. Um so like any team that gets him, like everyone loves playing with him. So it's it's not like there's no I don't think there's any character issues. There's um, maybe he's not a leader. That's that might be the problem, but um there's no issues of like this kid's going to be selfish. He's going to be entitled. Um he's just everyone's going to love being around him. So I think I think that's yeah. a great pick there. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> No, I, I I like I like the pick. It'll be fun to watch him and Zach Levine on the same basketball court together. <laughs> that, that would be interesting. <laughs> so uh, I I think it would be it would be cool to see. Like I said, I totally agree. He would provide that energy and spark to that Bulls team. That's just very depressing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's unfortunate. It's they a depressing need some joy in that city. So yeah, and he would he would definitely provide that. So with the, all right, the fifth pick with for those Cleveland Cavaliers, I am at a bit, this is difficult. Because there's a guy that I really like, and but I'm just not sure if he fits on that roster compared to this other guy, who I do like, but not as much as I the think, first one. I think everyone honestly fits on the Cavaliers. They don't have anything. <laughs> that's true uh okay i'm i'm yeah i'm gonna draft tyrese halliburton that from iowa state i i just like him a lot he's such a smart basketball player so intelligent good three-point shooter although that shot it looks like he stands and then it's like he pushes it it's like he pushes it from like right here then he just pushes it into the into the into the hoop. I, I don't understand. It's a, it's a very odd shot. But it so goes is, in. So does Triple J. He, yeah, that's, that's his, another. That's actually who I thought of was Jaron Jackson <laughs> when I looked at Tyrese's shot. But he's a good three-point shooter. And he has a wacky form, but a good shooter. It goes in. And he's such a good passer and a good defender. He has good measurables. He's he's 6'5". I don't know exactly what his wingspan is, but just looking it's at long. him, he has very long arms. He's long. <laughs> and... I, I think if I they have Darius Garland the Cavs Six, Darius Garland and, and Colin Sexton is what he's listed at for wingspan. That's it, gotcha. Really? Yeah, he's a. Okay. He's yeah. just skinny. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's just skinny. But <laughs> they they already have two point guards in Garland and Colin Sexton. Do they? I'm not right. <laughs> and then that's the question. Do they even have? But like. I think Tyrus Halliburton is a better prospect than perhaps Danny Avdija, who I was thinking about for this pick, possibly. But I like Halliburton more, and so I'll, I'll pick him. Yeah, and I, I think he 
whether he's actually even a point guard in the league is a question. He's more like a DeLon Wright or um, Shea type of combo guard where yeah. he's he's doing yeah. both. He, he can play off ball or on ball, so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, Shea's a good player comp. Yeah, for him to be like a full point guard might be hard just because he's not going to be able to hit pull-up threes, I don't think, ever. I think he's just going to be catch and shoot entirely. Um, mm-hmm. So, but no, I, I like him a lot. He's uh, he's someone who like rose up my draft board while I was doing this process. He was like a little bit lower, oh, yeah. lower end of top ten, and then like moved up to like what sixth or seventh on my board. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, is it me now? Yeah. Yes, it is. Who is it? It's Hawks. The Hawks. Ooh. The Hawks. The Hawks have the opposite problem of the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers have right. nothing. The nothing. So like fill everything. The Hawks have like everything already but what's what's what exactly is real um and they have so many wings and like wings are the clearly the players you want to draft right now in this at this spot um god i'm between two guys are they local or overseas one's overseas and one's local (laughs) oh uh do they need more playmaking or do they need more like just defense the latter I'll answer that for you you think so defense yeah. yes on the yeah they don't need like a secondary playmaker right now they need defense bad <laughs> they don't have any okay then then this is what I'm doing I'm going Devin Vassell um oh okay, okay. I really right. I really like him. I think he's Okay. He's kind of in the Paul George, Mikael Bridges build, just really skinny. Yeah. Really skinny, has some upside as well. Um like talented, very good defender, long ass arms. Um can shoot, can very much shoot. Yeah. Um so I like him a lot. He's probably the best 3 and D prospect on the board. Yeah. And there's there's a there this portion of the draft is where we get to just like all wings basically. It's all three and D wings. It's all, and he, all of them. And it's he's crazy. and he's my favorite of them. Um so Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm going with. I like it. Obviously obviously you guys know who I left on the board. I'm not sure if he's gonna keep continue his slide or not, but I'm curious we'll now who's who would pick this guy. Yeah. Alright, Connor Byrne. So now seven Detroit Pistons is who's up. Um you know, I would love to put in Cassius Stan- or Cassius Winston in as a <laughs> as a Michigan guy or a Michigan area guy, but uh, you know I can't do that yet. Although I do want- I do wonder why Cassius Winston isn't more of an NBA prospect. I feel like he seems like a like a Kyle Lowry dude. Uh, if you have a Kyle Lowry, he's draft, more like Kyle Lowry. He's like Jalen Jalen Brunson is where I see him at. Like a, yeah, so- a solid backup point guard. Better. He's such a winner, though. I don't know. What if he turns out to be a Kyle Lowry though? If he turns out to be a Kyle Lowry, he probably should be a top <laughs> pick in this year's draft. Sure, but well, who, we, but he, like who we know who Connor that? loves. Yeah. If we knew he was going to be a Kyle Lowry, he would. But yeah, yes. all right. Um, well, we're at the Pistons. I'm just a team. I, I mean, I, I don't know anything about the Pistons. I don't watch that team play basketball ever. I know they're about to lose <laughs> their probable best player from this past year, Christian Wood. Uh, Blake Griffin's hurt. Derrick Rose Luke, is still Luke on that Kennard team. Has, yeah, Luke Kennard has injury my, issues my too. Secunda Boya and Luke Kennard are the only two young players if they lose Christian Wood. So basically, I mean, they're they're a blank blank canvas. You almost wish the Pistons were more in like the fifteen to twenty range. What that way they could take 
a chance on someone from overseas who they don't know anything about and just hope that person blossoms rather than have the pressure of actually having to pick someone that should pan out at number seven. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's... But I mean, I just, I guess I'll just go with the best, one of the best prospects and decent floor guys and uh, Danny Avija, if that's how you pronounce it. I'm not actually sure if that is. I apologize I to right. him and his, and his okay. parents if that's wrong. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I guess I just, I put him there and I'm, I'm sorry for putting you on the Pistons. I feel bad for him personally. Uh, where's he coming from? He's Israeli. Yeah, that's right. Just what a, I mean, can you talk about a bigger change in in your lifestyle going from Israel to Detroit? I hope he I oh, hope he's okay with cold weather, cold weather. It's not like uh, uh, <laughs> when Akiva Lajwan came to the U.S. You know that story, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because so, his first visit was St. John's, and yeah. he got off the he got off the he nope. got off the airport. He's like, nope. That's I'm, hilarious. Yeah, nope. No chance. Yeah. He, he, he literally, literally asked, asked this guy, what's the most, the, the, what's the hottest place that's recruiting me right now? He said Houston. He's like, cool. Yeah. All right. I'll go there. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I love that story. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll go with uh, Danny Abija with for number seven to the Pistons. I feel like that leaves you with a pretty lobbish pick here for the next Francis. Yeah. Oop, so oop, oop I'll, this down. For, for this pick, I pick Killian Hayes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that is the right pick for the Knicks if he is available at that time. And there are people who have Killian Hayes atop of their big board who think that he is the best prospect in the entire draft. I'm not I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. KOC but I is definitely too KOC wants to be against the, the grain way too much. He just he just for wants to be the one the one. For the, reference the, the grain one. is saying Kevin O'Connor from the ringer. Yeah, he just he wants he wants to be the the one like nerd who's like oh no Killian Hayes is like the the actually the best guy y'all are all idiots but like yeah no, he's not he's not he's definitely not the best guy on this board and but does he is he is he the right pick for the Knicks at eight yes I, I think he is the right pick for the Knicks at eight he's a really really good scorer a crafty scorer of just a, an amazing passer such a creative passer and. People, a lot of people want to compare him to James Harden because he's that, he's a lefty who takes a bunch of step back threes and has that creative scoring ability, and that passing. Uh, obviously, he'll have to be a a lot more efficient and just grow in that role to even reach James Harden abilities. But I think he has the tools, and the only thing, problem would, would for him would be on the defensive side, right? But uh, I think for the Knicks, I think this is the right pick. So, Killian Hayes. Does does he play off ball or is he a pure on ball guy? He's a he's a pick and roll point guard. Um, so on ball. Yeah. So what does that do for R.J. Barrett if they get Hayes? Uh, I think that helps him uh, if anything because there's, there's it's a guy who takes the load off of R.J. Barrett because he was really the only guy who could create his own shot <laughs> on that Nick team full of like seven million power forwards. So yeah. uh, I think adding. Keelan Hayes next to RJ actually helps RJ a lot because he can take the load off him, be a creative playmaker, can score also. Also, open the floor for RJ Barrett too because that was another problem for him. He just had nowhere to go because defenses were just going to go to him because they, they didn't mind leaving people open. So uh, I think it would help RJ. The real question is how are the Knicks going to respond to another French men being on the team after Frank Frankie Smokes has... <laughs> Disappointed them, maybe a little unfairly disappointed them, but um, they they have not 
they have not taken <laughs> taken to him um, like Phil Jackson hoped they would. Um, no, they definitely have not. <laughs> yeah. Moving on, I think. God, this franchise. So we're now, this we're now at sucks. number nine, Washington Wizards. This team is terrible. Yeah. Such a the worst team in the NBA. I'm I should sorry, have picked have third, pick. so I could have gotten the Wizards. That was just bad math <laughs> on my part. <laughs> bad foresight. I think I'm gonna take. Um, I think I'm gonna take Isaac Okoro here. I think that's the best fit. I think. Thomas Bryant is good good enough to stave off the and Yeka Kongwu hype here. Um, I think Isaac Cora is a pretty good fit. Someone who oh just, my god, I completely forgot he was still on our board. Did you? Yeah, you miss him. You were going to draft him instead of. I probably would have put DJ. him on the Pistons actually. Now. Um, he's someone who he's one of like the few guys in this draft that could be like really high floor, and then also he has enough athleticism and the kind of flashes of off the dribble game to. Um, maybe be something more, um, but like definitely an absolute lockdown defender and just super high flyer in transition and a slasher. So fits right in with the war with the uh, Wizards. Um, with if you slide Rui to the four, have him at the three, and then John Wall and Brad Beal round it up with Thomas yeah. Bryant. That's that's yeah, not a bad top five. So I like it. Is it not a bad top five? No, it's it's a bad. Top five. <laughs> it's an, in in theory, it's like it's okay. Yeah, we'll see how John Wall yeah. comes back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next pick would be the who is this? Uh, Phoenix Suns. Suns. Suns are actually a really interesting team to pick for. Yeah, they, they are. are. Um, especially because I mean, you're thinking about what are the Suns doing this offseason? You already hear rumors about. Chris Paul interest from the Suns, mm-hmm. um, which would be, which would be pretty fun. It'd be, probably, it'd be, it'd be fun to see Paul on that team. Um, but I think for this, I'm just going to go through what we have right now as a reminder to myself, also anyone that's listening. One we have, and our pick, people have picked so far: Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, Devin Vassell, uh, Danny Avet. Uh, 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 my bad, Killian Hayes <laughs> and Isaac Okoro. Uh, so, <laughs> moving on. I think for this team, I am. I'll go. Um, uh, remarkably, who's fallen in our drafts? I'm going with. Once again, apologies for the mispronunciation. Onyeka Okongwu. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah, that was good. I like it. Uh, so I'm going with that. Uh, you know, uh, the Suns already have some guys that, you know, they already have a Booker who can score at will. Um, they have some floors, a couple of floor spacers, and I think just Okong will just help out, will help out with that pro- or with that uh, rim protection and defense overall on a team that could use it. So um, someone that could instantly play and help out. Yeah, the question obviously with that is where does he fit with um, DeAndre Aiden? Aiden? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you know they, it's not like, it's not the worst problem in the world to have two really good centers. They can move one, um, and obviously size is kind of coming back into vogue a little bit here. But there's questions there. But I think that's a good pick to not like. You could have like reached for a guy to put next to uh, Devin Booker here, like in someone yeah. like Tyrell Ter- Tyrell Terry or someone like that. I think that's probably a good move to not draft someone like that at this point. Um, 
Ben to and said, focus on getting that guy in free agency or sticking with Ricky Rubio or whatever, whatever it may be. But so I think it's a good yeah. pick. I'm thinking if you're the Suns right now, you're picking 10 and a guy who is a potential top three pick slides down to you, you just take it no matter what. Yeah, that value pick for sure. Yeah. All right, the San Antonio Spurs with the 11th pick. This is tough because just looking at this roster, it's a bunch of solid guys, and but no one that's like, oh, you suck. Like we need to, you're not. We need someone to replace you. Just a bunch of good players. Uh, and then you have Lamarcus as a center who is getting older. So actually, Connor, if you didn't pick Onyeka, I would have. I would have taken him uh, mm. to be that center of the future for this Spurs team, since Lamarcus is getting so old. But um, this is tough. They're just. Uh, their best perimeter player is DeMar DeRozan, right? And then they have a few point guards, DeJounte Murray, Derek White. They don't really have a three. So in, with that in mind, I'm going to pick Patrick Williams from Florida State. Um, I would have picked Devin Vassell in this position, but he is gone. And Patrick Williams has risen in basically every single mock draft out there like it's actually crazy um and i think it's just his potential of being another really good three and d type guy like he wasn't that great of a three-point shooter but it's like it's all upside it's just drafting fully on upside athleticism defense shooting he's six eight like he's uh, it's all upside and i think the spurs are in a position that they can draft for upside considering they're not they're they have good players they just have they don't have someone that can take him to another level that the Spurs have had before um, so I think they're in now I think they're officially in rebuild mode and Patrick Williams is that guy to help them rebuild so I'll I'll go Patrick Williams from Florida State it, it sounds like a great typical Spurs pick where this is a guy who the thing is you know don't rush him uh, work on what he needs to work on uh, he's, you know great measurements with the wingspan and height and his you know very athletic and you know he shot 83.8 percent from free throw from the free throw line so his potential to be a shooter is there you know just let the spurs development team do their magic type type pick so i like yeah. that pick for you yeah i think that's a good pick I, he's someone who like is people are talking about going you know, top six seven or eight in this, in this it's draft crazy he, he's risen um, so fast yeah. so high yeah i'm i'm not that high on him i maybe it's just because like He's boring to watch, kind of, um, but you know that's that's a pretty spurgy player. So yeah, there's, there's definitely yeah, a lot, lot right. of potential do there. Do you not like Do you not like him as a top six, but you like him as a Spurs development player? Yeah, no, for sure. Like I, that's yeah. I, like obviously that's someone that can definitely mold. I had him like I had him a few spots below this on my draft, but not not like slipping that much. So mm. um, he's obviously got the body. He's got the athleticism. He's got you know, all the potential and. His free throw shooting is good, which is obviously a huge indicator of um, your three-point shooting more than your college three-point shooting is. Potential. Yeah, yeah. your potential so, as a shooter. So he's definitely got that potential there, and he's shown a little bit off the dribble game. So, yeah, no, great uh, pick for the Spurs there. I agree. Um, next up, the Kings. I'm on clock with Kings at 12. The Kings could do a lot of things here. I'm yeah. going to go – I'm just going to go with the – Number one guy left on my board, um, that is Sadiq Bay from Villanova. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I like that. Really good. Just really good 3 and D guy. Shot extremely well. Um, big body. Um, yeah. Can really fit anywhere. Can be a 3 or 4. Could play probably up at the 2. Um, probably defend 3 or 4 positions. So um, just a, a, yeah. a very, very prototypical 3 and D just role player. So I think some some Also the, very the, Villanova, you know? Yeah, a very Villanova guy for sure. He's just a Villanova guy. I, I don't know how else to put that. It just makes sense that he went to Villanova. This yeah. It just makes sense. All right. Who's up? Connor, you up with the Pelicans? Yeah, I'm up with the Pelicans. Um, I guess if you keep that if you keep that team, this I think this is a reach. But I think just for the idea of having another floor spacer on that team, I mean, one person, a possibility would be someone who's a big floor spacer in Jalen Smith. Uh, from Maryland, who's a good three-point shooter. Another mm-hmm. guy who's a big who's a three-point shooter is the. Oh God, I'm not even gonna try to say his name. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he's from a. Uh, Alexis Pokasevsky. Pokasevsky. Yeah, yeah, that guy. But he's just that, way that's, too. That's thin definitely to, a to, reach. Yeah, he's way too thin to be playing in the NBA yet already. Like he's yeah. definitely a stash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it feels early to get someone like Tyrell Terry, but. I, oh, think I, I think I'm going to go with it. I think I'm just going to go with Tyrell Terry. He was oh. he was on my on my draft board. He was the second, not next, but the one after that. So I don't think I don't think that's too much of reach. I think yeah. he's I think he's rising okay. right, rising right now. I think that's a pretty good pick. I think it's like you know immediately you can put him in certain situations of the game if you need a certain lineup. So yeah. All right, Francis, you're up. Celtics at For fourteen. The last, the last pick in the lottery, at the very least. The Boston Celtics with a 14th pick. I am in between two people. And this is tough because I, I don't think a lot, at least for me, separates these guys at all. So I, uh, man. Hmm. I'm curious if I'm curious if y'all two can guess who I'm thinking of, but I will. Give us a description of the player. Describe his game. They're both Pre- precious. Well, they're... Precious is one. I'm guessing. Uh, Tyrese no. Max is one. No, actually, both of you are are not correct in who oh. I was thinking. Uh. Okay, then I'm not gonna guess anymore because it's gonna give everything away. <laughs> <laughs> I. So I'm not as high on. I'm just not very high on Tyrese Maxey. Uh, Same. I, I just, I'm just not. Uh, so I don't think drafting him this this early is is, is proper. I'm not very high on him. Um, I agree. I I like Precious Achua a lot, being a Memphis guy, but I'm not sure if that's exactly the need the Celtics have right now. Well, maybe. Well, it could be, but I I think there's more of a pressing need at backup point guard for the Celtics. Uh, and I, I'm between Kira Lewis Jr. and Cole Anthony. And I think they're just such there's they're such different dudes, right? Cole Anthony was the guy with so much hype entering this season and just did not have the year people thought he would in North Carolina. Well North Carolina didn't have the year people thought they would. Just period. And then Kira Lewis Jr. just had a really, really, really good season really showed out near the end of end of that shortened college basketball year. Um, I've seen Jabba Rant comparisons for Kira Lewis. I don't know about that, but uh, I do think he's very good. But 
I'm I I'm gonna pick with the guy who I think has has the the still the best ceiling, and that's Cole Anthony. So I I'm picking Cole Anthony for the Boston Celtics. What is your ceiling? Uh, I, for I know him? they're uh a really a really good point guard in the NBA. I think a legitimate good starting point guard in the NBA who can get to the rim, can attack. His he's he didn't show a lot of playmaking in North Carolina, but that team just wasn't that good. And and so it's like who was he gonna playmake to? And a lot of his time in North Carolina was you're the best player, do something. And it just it just didn't work out for him. And it's unfortunate that he didn't show out and perform the way people thought he would, but he just didn't. But I he but before that he just had so much hype, so much talent, so much potential. Uh so I I'm willing to draft for the 14th pick for the Boston Celtics, uh, a team that's definitely looking to contend and doesn't need this pick to blow them, take them to the moon right now. Uh, I think Cole Anthony is, is the pick for me. I, I think that's a great pick, actually. I think he has a lot of upside. I think he had a down year at Carolina. Like you said, he was expected to do like everything for that team as far as creation, and he has all this potential. He's super athletic, can create a shot at will. He's a pretty tough defender. Um, he's got a good body. Um, he's built for the NBA already. Um, he's got the pedigree. He grew up, obviously, his dad. He grew up around the NBA um, and with, like, the best trainers and, and skills coaches that, you know, money could buy, basically. Um, yeah. So I I think he's got a ton of potential. Um, I Like, his, his player archetype, Connor, you asked about, like, what his ceiling is. Like, something, something like... A Baron Davis type player, um, Baron Davis, like Steve it. Francis type player. Um, yeah. So just kind of a go a bucket getting point guard, athletic point guard who's not going to be you know a top five, maybe even you know seven or whatever point guard in the NBA, but you know he has the potential to be pretty damn good and just getting you buckets and doing. He'll need like a secondary playmaker probably around him. He's not you know an elite playmaker, but he he can get you buckets for sure. And, and just for the I mean. I think it just fits the Celtics uh, and to take a chance on a guy like Cole Anthony who has so much potential. Right. Who, again, you don't need him to be the guy to come in and just step, you know. Yeah. He, he can go into the Celtics and kind of take and learn from Kemba, right? And learn how to be that playmaker from Kemba and, and try and learn how to take those next steps. So I yeah. think it actually it fits Cole Anthony very well. If you look at the Celtics roster, the only need they have is really at center. So if you don't think you're getting that center that can actually help the team out right now, then yeah, take a shot yeah. on a take a shot on, on a guard, especially depending yeah. on what Kemba's health is going to be over the next two or a year or so. so. I think there's going to be teams looking at the Nuggets, having taken Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull and back-to-back drafts as guys who just slipped. Um, after having so much potential in high school, and they're going to be like, hey, why can't we do that? So there's going to be teams that are willing to take these shots, like really smart teams like the Celtics who are willing to take these shots. Yeah, so I think that's actually a very realistic pick. And that, so that makes it, that means that's 14 picks. That is the lottery. And we see that we are running low a bit on time here for this podcast. It's going a bit long. So we're going to institute a shot clock, a 30-second shot clock for us to get our picks out quick analysis and then move on so we're going to try and get these last 16 picks out going forward and now so we are on pick number 15 for the orlando magic and that is connor byrne that's me actually no it's great it's great (laughs) i'm wrong um incorrect (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a pretty easy pick here um magic obviously so precious is the number one player on my board left but they don't need more power forwards obviously um so 
They do not. So I'm going to go. They need spacing. I'm going to go with the, probably the best shooter in the draft. Um, maybe Hammer Tyrell Terry and Aaron Naismith. I guess Naismith is how it's pronounced from Vanderbilt. All right, so now 16, Portland Trailblazers. I think I'm actually now going to a guy that we've kept on uh, passing, but I think Jalen Smith is now – now it's time for Jalen Smith to go to a team and a good fit for Jalen Smith who can help just even space that flower even more um, for the Trailblazers. So uh, and we'll probably play pretty well next to Nurkic. Okay. I like that. I like that. So for the – Pick number 17, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so the Timberwolves, we, they got Anthony Edwards at the very beginning. I am going to check very briefly. Timberwolves roster. I don't think they have legitimate backup point guard. I could be wrong. And if that's the case, it's checking very, very fast. Uh, yes, they do not. So that should be easy. Kira Lewis. Kira Lewis Jr. is my pick. For the Minnesota Timberwolves. All right, that leaves me at 18 with the Mavericks. This is actually a perfect landing spot for the next guy on my, not the next guy on my board, but the guy that I kind of want to pick here. Kind of my sleeper of the draft, honestly, is um, I, I think is how you pronounce it, Jamias Ramsey from Texas Tech. Um, really, really good defender, really solid combo guard who surprised offensively in college was. Um, Basically, their their first or second second option offensively for Texas Tech behind Davide Moretti, which who by the way um, would probably go number one in this draft if he hadn't chosen instead to play overseas. Um, but Jemias Ramsey, I, I think, is like a Marcus Smart type clone with a little bit more shooting and offensive potential. So like I like him a lot. Maybe my sleep of the draft, and I think he fits perfectly with the Mavericks next to Luca. So okay, I like um... it. I think I'll go. So I'm number 19 now. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. I'm trying to think of what the Nets need on this team. And I... Let's see. Are you thinking of someone who's right now type player? I, I, I'm thinking between Desmond Bain of a guy who's supposed to be, not that I've actually really watched him, but supposed to be a pretty intelligent guy who can shoot. Um, and is pretty NBA ready for a team that's in win now mode, for or someone that maybe just fills out a, a need of theirs defensively and putting in Precious Ochoa. Um, I, maybe I'll just I'll defer to you if you guys think Ochoa would fit for the Nets because you guys have watched him way more than I have. I think he would fit like with with small ball lineups that they wanted to do. You know, KD and Precious those are two bigs. I think he would fit really well there. Um, yeah. I don't know. How, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to fit with KD and Kyrie. You can put KD basically anywhere. So um, yeah, and he's such a high I effort think he would guy. A, yeah, yeah, he would provide a nice spark off the bench too. Yeah. So yeah, all right, I'll go with that. I'm happy with that. I'll go with Precious at number 19. Okay. Okay. Good because I I wanted Desmond Bain. So <laughs> I, I'm glad that you went Precious to Chua. Uh, quick, back when. Uh, back when the, I guess the the lottery happened and draft buzz was was talking about for for Memphis, uh, people were thinking Desmond Bain as a mid second round pick, and this guy's stock has risen so much as well to being a a potential late first round pick. And uh, I like Desmond Bain, really really good three point shooter, good defender, just like you said, Connor, intelligent guy. Uh, he's I think he's NBA ready and can definitely help the Miami Heat, um, in a, in a lot of ways. So that's Desmond Bain's my pick. 
Okay, um, man. So that was the Heat at number 20. So I've got the 76ers at 21. Wow, this is a tough one. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm going to go, this might be a bit of a reach, but a lot of the guys left on that are higher on my board are either not good fits or more of a potential guy than anything. So I'm going to go with a older, more guaranteed contributor guy in Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. Oh, I like it. So I think he's, I think he's like, he has a lot of friend Van Vliet potential to be an immediate contributor who blossoms into more. Um, so I'm, I, I like him a lot. Just a really good off the, off the dribble shooter, pretty solid defender, and really smart player. Um, not going to make mistakes and just going to come in with experience immediately. So I think he'd fit well with the Sixers and maybe their biggest need is point guard. If, uh, if Shake Milton is not, you know, the point guard of the future, I think Malachi Flynn is something who could fit in really well there with him. So yeah, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Um, so that leaves me at 22 with the Nuggets, which is interesting because you, a moment ago, you talked about the Nuggets taking guys that were big time high school prospects who, you know, for a reason, either weren't able to play or just, we didn't get to see the maximize two, potential. Between two guys you're, pick, you're picking here, I'm curious to see who it and, is. Well, at least one of them, just coming up to mind right now, of someone who's fit that profile is uh, Nico Mannion. Is that who you're talking, oh, thinking of? Or? That's that's no? that's neither of the guys I was thinking of. Oh, okay. <laughs> are, you thinking, are you thinking RJ Hampton? I was thinking RJ Hampton or Jaden McDaniels. That's who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I'm staying away from RJ Hampton just because I know – zero about him other than he I think he had not as great of a year overseas as he was hoping to um, yeah. yeah but that's all for I know sure. uh, so I think for this Nuggets team and I'm trying to think of what the Nuggets need and I think I think I'm fine I'm, I'm fine with uh, Nico Manion actually going to the Nuggets as a guy because he can shoot right yes definitely can shoot yeah so I think as a guy who can shoot and, and pass the ball around, is fits with that offense very easily uh, from day one. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, Nico Mannion to the Nuggets 22. I feel like you're forgetting about Monte Morris. Yeah, I was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, either way, I'll, I'll still keep that pick just because if both Harris and Morris were banged up this year. So if that's a trend that's going to continue – you know, Nico helps with insurance as an insurance policy. Okay. So that'll be my, uh, that'll be my defense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm for, so you, 20, 23. Yeah. Yep. 23 in the Utah Jazz. I'm actually going to pick this guy based on, I think it's the highest ceiling in this draft out of the people available on the board. And yes, he had a, he did not have a great season overseas, but I think RJ Hampton, Still does have the highest ceiling of people on the board. Uh, could learn from Mike Conley. Can play next to Donovan Mitchell eventually. Uh, so I got RJ Hampton, 23 Utah Jazz. I think that's a good place to draft RJ Hampton too. Kind of early 20s in the first round. Uh, he still can be a really good player. So I, I, I and I think he slots well in Utah, coming off the bench and learning from Conley, playing next to Donovan Mitchell. So yeah, I got RJ. Okay. Um. Okay. 24 the Bucks. This is another tough one. Um, you're probably just taking whoever Giannis likes. So, <laughs> so and that being this is said, where Terry would have fit perfectly if he was still available. Oh my God! Yes. 
Yeah. Um, wasn't like wasn't Pokushevsky? Hasn't he been playing in the same division that that Giannis was playing in? He, he uh, is whatever in a league that is. League. I don't know. What I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he's the exact division. same league. I'm pretty sure it's the same league that that Giannis was in. So that's Ooh. a plus on his side. Ooh. Uh, uh-huh. But you also wouldn't be able to play him probably for a year or two, so that yeah. doesn't really help you. So, I mean, what what if he did turn into Giannis though. <laughs> he's really, so he's really talented. Like he <laughs> yeah. is he is he Kristaps or is he Dragon Bender? I don't know. That's yeah. the question. But but he looks really good on tape. Um, yes, he does. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna <laughs> go with just a solid player instead of taking a swing for the fences here i'm gonna go with tyler bay from colorado um i like it that's it yep that's all i have to say um i'll go so i'm 25th now wait yeah 25th now oklahoma city i'll go just i'll go vernon carey okay okay i like that all right uh i'm i'm feel i feel that i'm very fortunate in these in these how these picks are going because i'm going to pick for boston celtics pick number 26 alexei pukusevsky that's who i'm picking All right, good. That's what uh, I was again hoping you would take. same same reason for boston before it's like you don't need to draft this guy for right now you can stash him let him develop and dear god if he if he reaches his potential put that on that celtics team whew, yeah that's fun so uh that's i think that's that's a no-brainer and that's my pick Okay, I love that pick. I was I was worried that you were gonna pick somebody else. So good. <laughs> I'm not as dumb as I look, Connor. <laughs> Just as a Celtics fan, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, the Knicks at 27. I'm gonna take Jaden McDaniels here. Oh, I like that. So I'm 28 Lakers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go Cassius Winston now. I think that's a guy who's oh, damn it as uh, ready to help out a team as anyone is, or at least as he's going to be. You know, he's always played his four years of college ball. He's been the best player in a title contender for the past few years now, and um, he's just such a high IQ player that you know, even if his ceiling isn't that high, LeBron will enjoy having him around. So, Cassius Winston. I like it. Uh, I will go for twenty-eight. And the Toronto 29. Raptors. Or sorry, 29. 29, 29 Toronto. the Toronto yep. Raptors. I will pick... Um, I'll pick Theo Maldon from France uh, as okay. my pick. He is a... Pick. He had, he's kind of done the opposite of what a lot of people we've mentioned before who's risen in draft boards. He has fallen, unfortunately. But he initially was projected to be a mid-early first-round pick uh, because he is, he is a guard with good size and who can score he just doesn't it just didn't show a lot of dynamism as a basketball player but uh, I, I still think he's a good player and can help the Raptors out especially provide some backward depth as well that's a great place for him to land too just with their international um, heritage and connections and also their ability to kind of fit people in who don't seem like they have like a natural fitting uh, you know mm-hmm. position maybe or just a natural fit in the NBA um, so there, that's just a great landing spot for him. Uh, and then last pick, the Boston Celtics, number thirty, last pick of the first round. Um, okay, I'm just gonna go with the number one guy left on my board, and that is Josh Green from Arizona. 
Um, just really talented, really smart, tough defender for a freshman. Um, very good athlete, good size for shooting guard. He might overlap a little bit with um, their plans for for Romeo Langford, um, but he's the kind of the best guy available on my board left. So just a value pick there for the third pick of the first round. Okay. So, so we are now done with our first for our first round's picks. I think just really quickly, I was going to say a few interesting people that we have not mentioned as people that are either big house or bigger household names or just, you know, have gotten first round buzz. Uh, one of them being Leandro Bomaro of Argentina is supposed to be a, a good player that we didn't, we didn't bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't bring up, we're not saying right, right or wrong, but if someone's a, a bigger household name than a lot of these guys we mentioned is Cassius Stanley. We didn't say him at any point. Yeah, he was um, he was say, next on my board behind Josh Green there. Uh, we didn't say Trey Jones, who's another Duke guy. Just you know, so if you go to Duke, you're a bigger name. And then the uh, we didn't say Emmanuel Quickly, big name from Kentucky. And then finally, uh, we didn't say the person who was the best player on the best team in college basketball last year, uh, Udoka Azubuki, who was the you know the best player in college, you know best player on the best team in college basketball. We we didn't mention him as a first round pick, which is. Maybe not wrong, but it's interesting that none of us brought him up. Well, no, we also didn't draft Tyrese Maxey, and, and I've yeah. seen him as high oh, as yeah. Tyrese like, 12. Maxey as well, yeah. yeah. 12 or, or even, I think, maybe even 10. Like, I've seen him high on a lot of mock drafts, and, and just watching him, watching film on him these past few days, I just, I'm not that high on him. I think he's a first-round pick, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just not, not very I'm high. I'm not, convi- not convinced he's an efficient NBA player or that he has a really, yeah. a really go-to skill other than just kind of microwave scoring how many people do teams normally have in a draft room do you have any idea oh god just because we're doing that ourselves we had a lot of time in between picks and it was still like oh okay wait who's left on the board who's still like i mean i guess they've already put hours and hours into like okay if this person's on this board then we're taking him no matter what and like it's probably predetermined but you can see it could get pretty stressful probably this was actually going oh, yeah. on <laughs> yeah i mean oh, they're yeah. at, at this point also like with especially with the timeline they've been through now like i think front offices are very bored at, especially of this draft like this draft mm-hmm. is not that interesting it's it's not like yeah. super high super high draft so they're pretty bored they've evaluated everyone they got like all the tape done so they're like they're completely prepared um there are so like there are so many wings in this yeah, first round yeah there really are yeah. so many wings three and d wings you're probably we if we do a a, a nba draft drinking party you got to take a shot for someone says three and d like and you're gonna get hammered you're just yeah. gonna get so drunk if you take a shot every time someone says three and d but yeah no i couldn't agree more card this was really fun process and all, all i think the picks we made were very good and we'll see how accurate it, it comes to that day also i'm looking forward to the trades like to that point you made earlier grant uh, this draft is kind of boring, but the trades should be fun. Uh, we've had a long, long time without a trade, so I think a lot of front offices are are really gearing and ready to to get started to make some make some big name trades and see see what see what they can do. But for Grant Hackinger, Connor Byrne, it has been Francis Carlotta on episode 16 of the Up and Under, and we will see y'all again the very next time. Everybody, stay safe and peace. Thank you